Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. You see, every camp meeting is tailored in such an important way, an intentional way. There is what we have set out to achieve every year. And you've been at, if you've been attending Reboot Camp, you can almost tell accurately the direction that we will take. Because there are things that we want to achieve. And the things that are most important for us in every camp meeting is that people understand the gospel, number one. Number two, needs are met supernaturally, so there must be a demonstration of power. And there must be an impartation of everyone present. But one very important thing that we must achieve in every camp meeting is to re-emphasize the culture of prayer and consecration. We must re-emphasize it. You see, two years ago, I preached on a sermon I titled Vital Signs. It was a Saturday morning like this, reboot camp. And just like in medicine, you have vital signs. When you go to see a doctor, before the doctor agrees to even sit with you, they must check what is called your vitals, your blood, blood pressure, your temperature, your heart rate, and all of those things. All of those things tell the true condition of your body more accurately than anything you have to tell the doctor. And so they check your vitals. And guess what? Sometimes you say you're all right, but your vitals say otherwise. And sometimes you think you're okay, but the doctor says we must place you on, on admission immediately. You see, the fall of man shows us that it is possible to be walking dead, to look normal, and everything is wrong. Because God told him, the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And it looked like after he ate it, he was still walking. God talked and he responded. God told one of the churches in Revelation, he says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. People think you are alive, but you are dead. You look normal, but you are not. You still come to church, but you're not normal. You smile at everyone, but things are going wrong. If you come for a camp meeting and you don't address what needs to be addressed, then it's all a waste. Sometimes there's an elephant in the room and there are things and areas in our life that God wants to touch. And it seems like we just want to focus on everything else except this. But you see, when you truly encounter God, just like Jacob, even if you have torn ligaments by the next morning, a broken body is better than a broken, is, is better than a broken life. Some parts of your life must give so that your life wholesomely can be aligned. And it is that kind of vulnerability that you must have on a day like this. God, I came for you. I came for you. 
I want to preach very briefly on what I titled the glory of God in our prayer life. The glory of God in our prayer life. Or the glory of God and our prayer life. You have to see how both have a relationship so that you can align yourself accordingly. You see, a crucial aspect of prayer is humility. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You know, that tells you that it takes humility to pray. Pride cannot coincide with the, with the prayer life. They can't go hand in hand. One must give. One must submit to the other. You can't nurse a pride heart and a prayer life at the same time. They won't go. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It takes humility to pray. A proud person will not pray, will not have a prayer life. And having emphasized what we emphasized yesterday night, the majesty of God, the glorious holiness of God, when he approaches you, you have to see it as a privilege. You have to see it as a privilege. And you have to respond with gratitude and with thanksgiving. Humility is a very important aspect of our Christian devotion. So in prayer, there are five things that we acknowledge. I'm not saying there are just five, but I want to emphasize five. Five things that we acknowledge when we pray. Number one, we acknowledge the privilege of divine access. We acknowledge the privilege of divine access. That this God who dwells in unapproachable light has created a medium through which he can communicate with his creation. We don't deserve it. It's a great privilege. John spoke about this. He says, behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. It's a privilege. John was mesmerized by the thought. What manner of love? He said, see it, behold it. All of creation, animate and inanimate, will look at you and judge you if you had the privilege to talk to the creator God and you did not. You see, when Jesus was going to enter a city and they wouldn't let him, he says in the day of judgment, there are cities that will rise in judgment against this, this city. Because if they had the chance and the opportunity that you had, they would have used it. They would have used it. You are living in such a great time for the spread of the gospel. You see, it's very easy to emphasize spiritual things in this time. When you track church history, there are things that radically affected the spread of the gospel. Think about it once upon a time. For the scripture to be passed from person to person, someone had to sit down copiously 
and write it by hand. And so the advent of the printing press did a lot for the gospel. That you can print the gospel in mass. Print the Bible in mass and spread around the world. Crucial time in history. Then you have a time where by technology, what someone said can be trapped and recorded. And you can play that voice recording over and over again. Do you know how great a privilege that is? Just imagine we had the voice recordings of Jesus. Or the voice recordings of Paul. Do you know how great that is? Do you know what it means to attend a very powerful spiritual encounter? And that spiritual encounter can be trapped and relieved because of technology. That you can watch the sermon again and again. Do you know how special that privilege is? That you don't have to just go to one corner of your mind and try to bring it out and remember exactly how it was said. Now, what will the people in the previous generations have to say about you in heaven if you have a smorgasbord of sermons that you don't listen to? Our generation is so privileged and so lazy at the same time. So you have an audio library. In this ministry, all the sermons are free. And you have to be cajoled and forced to listen to them. Wow! Not just audio, but video. Do you know how powerful it is that what I'm saying now, anybody in the world can tune in and watch it live. And miracles happen as they're watching. Miracles happen because there's no distance in the realm of the spirit. I can stretch my hand here and the power of God will hit someone. Do you know how privileged that is? What are we doing with what we have? You have access to the word of God. Access to God. Think about it. You can stay in a corner of your room, bow your knees, and say things that God will hear. It's very difficult to get the attention of an important man, Mano. You know, one of the greatest dilemmas, I might not have said this before. I'm grateful for the rich God has given us as a ministry. Just four years ago, the total attendance of this church was 230. Can you imagine that? And four years after, we're about 4,000. It's incredible. But it's almost, it's, it's a secret dilemma for me. Yes, God, I see the word spreading. I'm excited. But I'm a people person. I want to have a personal relationship with everybody that attends our church. And so when I see some people, there was a couple that came to greet me on Sunday in our church. The lady was even pregnant. And I said, oh, are you new? They said, no, we've been attending this church. And when I, when I left them, it, it, it just pricked my heart, you know. 
that I, I want to know everybody. How can there be a married couple expecting a child that I didn't know? I wish I could reply every DM. I can. It's practically impossible. I can't have a prayer life, be a good dad to my kids, and do some things. It's not possible. And so good luck when you come to my DM and you say hi. But God is different. God has an obsessive commitment to his creature. This is what Jesus said. And you know, because it's Jesus, he definitely knows what he's saying. He's not exaggerating. He said, even the hair on your head is numbered. You know, your significant other who loves you very much, I love you, talk your own, you know, is obsessed about you knows the color of your pupils, knows your exact height by inches and centimeters. But if they start counting the strands of your head, take them immediately to Igobi. Something is wrong. They have lost it. But not God. He said, even the hair on your head is numbered. So you have a God. Eh? You know, you, know what, you know what the Bible says? Maybe you've not thought about it before. It says, he humbles himself to dwell in heaven. That the fact that God is in heaven is humility. Are you aware the Bible says that? I'm asking you a question. Are you aware the Bible says that? The fact that there is a throne that can contain him is humility. So now, that being says you can talk to me. And then you don't have a prayer life. That has to be the biggest abuse of privilege in the world. When we pray, we acknowledge divine access. Number two, when we pray, we acknowledge that we cannot go through life on our own. We acknowledge that we cannot go through life on our own. And let me tell you, you can't. You can't. The Bible says, Psalm 100 and verse 2. We'll read verse 2 and 3. Psalm 100, verse 2 and 3. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him, before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us. And not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So this is the logic. If he made us and not we ourselves, then it follows that we are his sheep, the people of his pasture. If he made us, he must tell us how to live. If he made us, he must guide us. Just like every inventor will have an instruction manual on how that device is to be used. The device is not meant to come up with ideas on its own. I think it helped David a lot that he watched sheep for, for a while. It must have affected his sense of devotion to the Lord. He used that metaphor many times as the deer pants after the water brooks. 
So my soul longs after you. He used that illustration so many times. This particular phraseology, we are the sheep of his pasture. He used it so many times. And he's correct. He made us, not we ourselves. Let me tell you something. There might be people who you think are doing well without God. But they are not. If you ever see anybody who doesn't know God and you think they are doing well, it's because you don't even know what success is. You know what success is? It is being where God will have you be to do what God will have you do. That's what success is. Whether that thing you are doing is relevant in the eyes of men or not, success is being where God will have you be to do what God will have you be do. Let me tell you this. As the Lord lives forever, I will not judge even pastors by the size of their church. Before the size of your church, what matters to me first and foremost is what you are saying. This is very important. What are you saying? What are you preaching? What do you stand for? Because that's the way God thinks. Are you where God will have you be? To do what God will have you do? Think about it. Jesus did not build a single house. Did not marry a wife. Did not have children. He died at the age of 33. And his life was not a tragedy. Maybe you didn't hear what I'm saying. Now, his own calling and assignment was specific. That's why he didn't need to do all of that. It's good to have a house. It's good to have cars. It's good to have children. God blessed man and said, be fruitful and multiply. All right. His assignment was just, I'm just letting you know that you cannot just judge everybody by any stereotypical marking scheme. That's what I'm trying to help you understand. So God must guide you. You cannot look at your neighbor and just align. We are too much of copycats in this generation. Anything that is trending we want to do. Have you noticed everybody is a consultant? Social media influencer? There are just some things, makeup artists. And strictly speaking, honestly, it is good to be followers of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. But I'm saying, not at the expense of the specific leading of God for your life. God might have a different template for you. And if you don't have the wisdom and the humility to bow your needs and get that template, download it, walk in it. Then what is this about? Hallelujah. One of the greatest examples God has made me to you as your pastor is that you can find God's call for your life early and follow it. If you're a member of this church and you have not patterned your life after that, then what, what, do you understand what I'm saying? God has made you an example in that regard. Find God's plan for your life early. Pattern your life boldly. And it all begins with prayer. Not by watching what other people are doing, but prayer. 
All right? We didn't plant this Potako church as God would. God is my witness. We didn't plant this Potako church just to expand. You know, I said in January when I was preaching, I said some people desire with covetousness what we got with consecration. I'm doing these things because God said to do it. I'm doing it with trembling. When God said go to Abuja to plant the church, I cried. So it wasn't a brilliant idea I came up with. God said go. And how dangerous would it be for someone to see us that we went to Abuja, started a church, and because the church is big, he wants to start his own. May you never do what you're not supposed to do and be a success at it. Because that's the greatest deception. Now, you are doing what you have no business doing and is working. Ah, it's easy to at least suspect that God is not in it if it does not work. But history bears witness that you can come together, come up with a plan like the Tower of Babel, and even God knows that even if what you want to do is not his will, if he doesn't stop you, it will work. Success, the way men see it, is never proof that you're in the will of God. So in prayer meetings like this, you open your heart to the leading of God. In fact, in prayer meetings like this, it's good not to have a prayer point. In Acts 13, they are just ministering to the Lord and fasting. And the Lord said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. Paul was not like, ah, I've been studying the word. I'm ready to preach. I'm eager. It wasn't that. It wasn't ambition. They were just serving the Lord and worshiping. And as they ministered to the Lord, just enjoying God, basking in his glory, the Lord said. Come on, do you get what I'm saying? Open your heart. Some of you, if you, in this prayer t- time, you are fixated on God, Canada, Canada. There is a way you can be so fixated on your idea of what you think you should be doing that you don't pick what God is trying to tell you. Open your heart. Divine leading. When we pray, we acknowledge that we cannot go through life on our own. I want to wrap this up as fast as I can. Number three. When we pray, we ascribe every progress in our life to God. We ascribe every progress in our life to God. Let me tell you something. If you see anyone making progress in life, who doesn't have a vibrant prayer life, you are seeing a dangerous man. You can almost tell that he's heading for a crash. As you continue to rise, listen, beef up your devotion. Remind yourself that it is God who is doing all of this. Let me tell you something, especially if you begin to make more money, your life will never be the same. Let me tell you, young ladies, You know, one of the most powerful ways to know who to marry, look at his money habits. Money changes good people, though. 
that you married the right person today does not mean you'll be the right person in 10 years' time. Ah. Many people in choosing forget to factor in the fact that people change. People change. Didn't Solomon change? People change. And one of the ways to know you have the right person is the money test. How does he behave when he has money? It's a very, or how does she, because it's not just men, how does she behave when she has money? Money. Progress. Ah. The Bible says the 24 elders, they cast, it didn't say they placed down. Are you listening to me? They cast down their golden crowns. It's one of the most important things you can have as you rise in life. When you're out there, everybody is hailing you. They're giving you accolades and everything. But in your secret place, you remove your shoes. You throw away your crown. You lie down and say, God, the boy you helped has come to worship you. The boy you helped. Leave all the titles for men. There is a kind of humility that we saw in the early church we don't see in many men of God. There was a type of praise that they were giving the saints of old. They tore their cloth to say, see, we are flesh and blood like you. There were some things they didn't toil with at all. God! Sometimes the progress makes us lose our mind and we think, oh yes, I'm so smart. We even think we're better than people. But you say, it's your grace. It's your grace. It's your grace. If it wasn't for your grace, where would I be? If it wasn't for your mercy, where would I be? Ask Nebuchadnezzar. How dangerous it is to forget. Ask Herod. Hallelujah. You throw yourself on the ground. So, in this prayer time, bring the past and the future into perspective. Before you begin to say, God, things are not working. What about the many things that have worked? Some of us are so ungrateful, we don't even realize. We remember God when we have no other option. Remember God when we have no other option. None other. That's when we remember. Let that not be you. Let me tell you something. Create a system of preservation in your life. <laughs> Maybe it's a retreat like this. It must be an ordinance in your life. Once or twice a year, both corporately, apart from the church own, you must have your personal own. Where you go somewhere and you just dance before the Lord. You acknowledge him. You lie down. You see those things that your parents used to have, retreats. Young people, copy it. Acknowledge him. Build that culture. Let me tell you something. Anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But well, that's one of the reasons we're here. As you trust God for the guidance of the future, you must ascribe all the achievements of the past to him. If you have money, you know what Paul says, it is God who gives us all things richly for enjoyment. Ascribe it to God. I know you're very smart. Ascribe it to God. I guarantee you there are people smarter than you that don't have what you have. 
Hallelujah. Just to be sure you're following, what is number one? When we pray, we acknowledge what? Number two? Number three? And number four? We correct the errors in our lives. We correct the errors in our lives. I was praying some years ago, and I saw a vision of a man who was building like a structure, like Lego. You know Lego? And every time he built it to a certain level, the devil will come and try to scatter it. But I saw other people, when the devil scattered it, they were not there. So it remained scattered. But this guy was there permanently. So immediately when the devil scattered it, he built it back up. And it took him seconds, built it back up. And the devil scattered it again, he built it back up. And I could see the frustration in the devil's face and he just left. And the Lord said to me, this is the secret of a vibrant devotion. See, let me tell you something. If you build a structure of devotion, the errors of the devil cannot last long. When you see a man who started so well and fell, don't ask, well, how could he do this? The first question is, what kind of devotional life was able to sustain this kind of error for so long? Do you understand what I'm saying? We are all men. Even great men can fall. But if he falls and stays falling, you need to ask why. I'm telling you, there is a devotional architecture that will ensure that no matter the mistakes in your life, you won't linger. Let me tell you something. There are two types of people in this world. Solomon and David. Solomon is the kind of child that every mother wants their child to be like. The kind that the African mom will say, see that, is this not your mate? Does he have two heads? Did they, ever, did they ever tell you something like that? Does he have two heads? Does she have two heads? That's how Solomon was. Had his head on his shoulder early. Very smart, was getting everything right, but somehow ended the wrong way. But then you have David. David's life is a bumpy road. <laughs> Mistakes here and there. Did a lot of stupid things. But the difference, and this is the same difference between Judas and Peter. I've told you arguably, what Peter did was worse than what Judas did. In fact, Judas... Think about it strictly. Judah said, I know him so I can betray him. I can hand him over to you. Peter says, I don't know him. <laughs> what Peter did was worse. Judas was even saying, I know him well enough to betray him. Peter said, I've never heard him. Never. <laughs> Which was worse. But you see, the reason why some people make mistakes and their life ends and some others go on to fulfill God's plan for their life, is that they just have a structure where they can correct errors, come back to God, and move on. 
Some people just stay and do bad by themselves. Listen, Judas only needed to wait three days. Did you hear what I just said? Judas only needed to wait three days. The cross that Jesus was going to, was going to pay for that sin of betrayal. He was going to pay for it. He just needed three days, three days, three days. Some of you just wait in prayer just a little longer. Before you start considering silly things. Because you are tired of waiting for your marital future. You marry the wrong person. Because you're tired of waiting, you know, for that miracle, you go to the wrong place. Most of the most terrible cases of deliverance I've had to do are from people who went to the wrong place looking for answers. You hear things like, and they took me to this white garment guy. He gave me fish. He gave, the, the, the result is always devastating. Let me tell you this. Whatever the devil claims to give you, he will take hundred for one. Don't fall for it. You think that the devil will give you money, will just give you and leave you like that. Are you a joke? That he will just, he likes you. <laughs> Don't fall for it. Some of you have made terrible mistakes. And guess what? You can cry about it. Let me tell you something about mistakes. If you've made it, you have made it. <laughs> That's what, something you need to know. You have, it has happened. The only way is forward. And if you don't learn this, the devil will push you like he did Judas. He will push you. But in a place, the song says, down at your feet, oh God, is the most high place. Listen, God, I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself now. But here, errors can be corrected. Are you not the one that made human beings out of clay? Is it now a human being that is already alive that has made mistakes that you cannot correct? You made woman out of rib? Are you not the one? Ah, ah. Are you not the God of David? No matter what you've done, it's unlikely you have done more than David. Devo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try David, though. David, though. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. But in this place, and let me tell you something, anything that you don't correct in prayer will not remain the same. There is something called hardness of heart. When God entreats you and you don't address it, it will get worse. Any sin that you get comfortable with will harden your heart. So if God sends Moses to you and he says, let my people go, and you say, how do I know it is God that sent you? And Moses drops his rod and he turns to a serpent. If that is not enough to convince you, a bigger plague is coming. Are you getting this? So in the convincing process, it will get worse. When the serpent swallows the rod of the magicians, there is no, I mean, apart from rod, no casualty in Egypt. But when Pharaoh says, mm, 
Then it will get worse. He will take it up a notch. That's the doctrine of hardness of heart. That's how it happens. Men hardly get destroyed in one day. You have to understand this. So, whatever needs to be dealt with, you deal with it today. Come on, are you listening to me? It's very important. Listen. One thing about sin is it blocks our discernment. We become so dull. Balaam is a prophet, yet he can't pick the signals of God. God is trying to stop him from what he wants to do. The donkey is refusing to go. He can't see. He can't see that it's an angel standing in the way. He's beating the donkey. Don't kill that donkey. Those signs in your life that God is giving you that you are headed the wrong direction, pick it now. We might not all be lucky. It's not in every case that God will open the mouth of a donkey to talk to you. If you can't pick signals, do you know how many people the Lord tried to nudge and they couldn't get it and they just went ahead? Sometimes we are so set in our ways, we, pick all the, we refuse to pick all the signals of God until it's too late. Now, this guy that your friends have been warning you about, this guy does not care. Now you are, I mean, you are in the marriage and you are wondering, what have I done here? What am I doing here? Hear the word of the Lord today. Let him, you have to have the openness of heart to allow him to correct you. Do you know how, it, how hard it is to convince someone they're in the wrong relationship? For example, maybe I'm dwelling on this because of someone here. That's how the Spirit of God talks. Do you know how hard? So how can God guide you if you're so set in your ways? As you pray, open every aspect of your life. Open your book like this. So he can touch this one, touch that one, touch. And it's okay. If God cannot bring up a conversation with you, ah, man, then you are ready for whatever you see. In the word of a famous philosopher, body go tell you. I think that was Socrates. Hallelujah. One more time, what is number one? Number two? Number three? Number four? And number five, you stir up the power of God in your life. When you pray, you stir up the power of God in your life. The Bible says, the heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man. Let me tell you something. In the engineering of how prayer should be done, continuous prayer is right there. It must be heartfelt. It must be continued. There is how to pray. It's not two minutes noodles. You just whisper, it's done. Is it Gary? 
Hallelujah. Even Gary takes longer to soak than some of you's prayer. Spend more time now. Let it warm your heart. Let it stir up some fervor. Come on, are you listening to me? This is so important. Heartfelt, continued. Learn to stay. You know, I had the privilege to, to be talking to just great people, people I respect very much who pastor a church in the U.S., and we're just talking about how rare it is to see churches that are sound in doctrine and still flow in power gifts. And we began to talk about how churches in the U.S. have missed it in this regard. Many of them, I mean, they emphasize good teaching, some of them. But many of them, no power. And I said, respectfully, sir, man, can I tell you where the church in the U.S. got it wrong? I said, their prayer life. Sometimes I watch some of their service, the way they pray, I'm like, Kilo Shele, what is going on? <laughs> you think it's their boyfriend they're talking to, oh, God, we just want to say, you are wonderful. <laughs> and then they just do three sentences and say, in Jesus' name we pray. All right, guys, eh, 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 eh. Satan will like you. <laughs> which, which rubbish is this? Heartfelt continued. Do you know what it means that the word of God made flesh spent 40 days praying? Ah, if you want to be unserious, think about that. Think about that. The word did not say, I have all the revelation. He still prayed. What would be your excuse? Please spend time praying. If you have not built a prayer life, we are here to help you. There is something about corporate prayer that challenges you. All right? Sets you on course. So when you see people praying, let it encourage you. Especially the guys. I like prayer meetings like this. When you see ladies praying, there are always ladies like that in every gathering. That will make you ashamed to sit with your beard. <laughs> I say, ah, this one, beard gang gone wrong. <laughs> Where is your power? Even Samson, I don't know. The hair must count for something. Pray now. Show divine strength. Pray. Endure. Tarry. Hallelujah. Stop looking at my chin. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your life is about to change. Did you hear what I said? So things to expect. Error will be corrected. You're going to bask in the privilege of access. You're going to receive leadings for the future. Power will be manifest. The sick will be healed. Say loud, amen. amen. So get ready for that. Hallelujah. You see, let me tell you something. The problem with many people is not the length of prayer. If you knew that three hours, four hours, five hours of prayer will settle all these family challenges you are having, you will pray. The 
The problem is we've never really tested the power of prayer. We've not. We've not. You know, some people come to me and say, Pastor, I've prayed, nothing happened. <laughs> and when I find out, it was morning devotion they were talking about. <laughs> One of the things God will have us learn as a church, stamina in prayer. Ah, there are some people, if the devil wants to try, he has to be ready. Because some people have built such a stamina, they don't, they don't, they don't, they hear no. Eh? Do you know what it means? When they took Peter, the Bible says prayer was made without season of the church. Listen, Peter met them praying. He came out from prison, met them praying. There are some prayers you don't put time to. You put answer to. That's when I know I'm stopping. When the person I'm praying for knocks on the door, that's when I stop. Do you know fasting in the Bible was not a conscious ordinance? It wasn't as if Moses said, I will not eat. Mm -mm. It was just the necessity of what he was praying about that made food secondary. He put his head between his knees and was there till he was done. That's the kind of, listen, do you know the potentialities of believers praying together like this? In Acts 4, the Bible says, as they prayed, the place where they were shook. The place where they were shook. When you hear, the Bible says, that we should be followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promise. When you hear the founder of Redeemed and Pastor Adeboye prayed in a hotel, and the hotel was shaking in the U.S., engineers came to knock on the door. They thought there was some heavy equipment that they were using. Prayer. If it can shake a building, it can shake your life. As we pray to today, something must shake. Something must shake. Don't waste this privilege. Don't waste this opportunity. All right? Go for the results. Not for the time, but for the results. Once in a while, we'll get someone with a mic just to encourage you to pray so, to your hearing. But you don't need that. I want you to pray. And I want to encourage you, except your leg is paining you, and we need to pray for a healing. Stand. If you must, at intervals, hold a chair, lean on something. We would actually allow you, if you need to catch some energy, sit for a bit, but stand. Don't let anybody, don't let devil blow you breeze. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, as I pray now, I pray now. Something, is something is moving. Something is shaking. There is an earthquake. And things are aligning in my heart. Whatever is an error is corrected. Power is dead from within me. I receive energy for the future. I receive direction for tomorrow. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Begin to pray right now. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.